Hey guys. Hello. Let me get situated here. All right. I'm Emma, by the way. If some of y'all don't know me, hopefully you've seen me around or whether that's around or I'm carrying a camera, either one. Um, but this past weekend or week, actually, I got to spend a lot of time with the Walker children. And so there's a picture. I'm in the back peeking behind Bethany. Um, but we got to spend a lot of time with them. And after um, one day, I asked Josiah and Isaiah, I was like, hey, how was school? They said, oh, it was good. How was, they asked me, how was work? I said, oh, it, w- it was okay. And Josiah goes, wait, where do you work? And if you didn't know, I work here, and I've worked here for like a year. I work with his dad, and I know their family well, so that was news to him. So if it's news to you, I do work here. But it was quite a gruesome uh, waiting period to land this job. Um, and so it was very, very far from my, uh, my, t- my ideal timing. And so, small backstory, last May I graduated from college, Look at that smile, so happy, so excited. But um, underneath all of that, I was actually hiding a bunch of fear and uncertainty um, because unlike some really awesome and prepared people, I did not have a job lined up uh, post-graduation. And my job that I had during college was a student job. And guess what I wasn't anymore? A student. So I had no job, um, had a little bit of money saved up, but you know, would like to not ride that wave as far as it could go. Um, And I had interned here that last semester of college, and so it had been tossed around that they might be creating a position that I would be interested in. But nothing was promised, and so that was fine, she says with slight tears in her eyes. Um, Oh, too soon. Um, But that's okay. However, I started to apply to some other jobs here in Topeka, Um, So by the end of May, graduation was the beginning of May, by the end of it, I was in the running for a fun, exciting job for the state, Um, but then I got an email that I could apply for the job that they had finished writing here, and I was so excited, I jumped at it, because I really wanted to be able to choose this job, and I had a phone interview, I had finally an in-person interview here, and by that in-person interview, It was like this first or second week of June. Now, that is a lot longer than I wanted to go without a job. And the interview went well. They asked me if I had any questions. I said, sure. um, When can I expect the next step of this process? Or when could I learn more about, you know, the progress of this? And their reasons were really understandable. But then they said, mid-July. Guys, I didn't have money left to make it to mid-July. And so my heart dropped to my stomach, and I just really wanted to choose this job. I didn't want uh, the timing to play out um, that I wouldn't get to work here. Um, So I'm just, like, sitting at home. Many tears were shed. And a few days later, I got a call that they were offering me the job here. Uh, I needed to wait a month and a half and then a few days. Um, And so that time of waiting was the deepest valley that I had scaled down. Even months before graduation, I was really struggling with depression, and the only way I can explain it is I just felt like I had no hope. 
I was very hopeless. I didn't find a lot of hope in anything. Um, and so I would never wish to go back to that time. No one would. Um, but all I could do when I got that call and I got that news was celebrate and thank the Lord that he provided that job. I didn't have the energy or time or want to even question why. Why did it play out the way it did? Why did I have to go through all that confusion and those feelings? But he provided that job for me. And the Lord's timing is really crazy, but it's crazy perfect, and it has a purpose. And so that leads us into our uh, story that we'll be in today in John 11. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, if not... I'll have some of it on the screen, but it's a hefty chunk. It's verses 1 through 44. So out of the sake of possible boredom, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you guys. Um, so there was a man named Lazarus. He was very sick. And this wasn't just any man. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were very, very dear friends to Jesus. Um, and so Lazarus was sick. His sisters sent a message to Jesus um, that just saying how sick he was, and they knew all that he could do. They had seen, they had experienced his miracles, and they, you know, probably sent that message in hopes that he would send or do a miracle with their brother Lazarus. And so, but Jesus says, he gets a message and he says, this sickness will not lead to death. I will stay here. This will bring me glory. And He stays where he is for two days, and then he and his disciples go and visit Mary and Martha. And so when they go to visit, we learn that Lazarus has been dead for four days. So that message that he got two days ago, that he was sick, Lazarus had already died. Um, And so as soon as Martha hears that Jesus is coming, though, she runs straight to him. She leaves the house where Mary decided to stay. She stayed back with this big crowd of mourners and people to comfort them. So she stayed back at the house. Martha went to meet Jesus. And the first thing she said to him was, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And then um, Jesus tells her, Lazarus will rise again. And Martha... Although she didn't um, beg for Jesus to raise her brother back to life, she most likely took his response to not intend that he would perform a miracle. So she answered back with more of an eternal perspective. She agrees that, yes, he will rise again. He will rise again on the last day. Um, And then Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. There we go. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he asks her, do you believe this, Martha? And she tells him, yes, Lord, I have always believed you are the Messiah. I have always believed that you are the Son of God, that you have come to this earth from God. And so Martha goes back to the house and tells Mary that Jesus is there and wants to see her. So Mary leaves the house. She goes straight to him. But the crowd that was with her follows her. And so when Jesus, she gets to Jesus, and she also says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus sees her weeping and crying, and he also sees the crowd that had followed weeping and crying, he, the scripture says that he became deeply troubled with anger. 
And now we have the shortest verse in the Bible, which is just Jesus wept. We'll come back to that. But Jesus has them take him to Lazarus' tomb, where he looks to the heavens and he prays, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say this out loud so that the people here will believe. And he calls out for Lazarus to come out of his tomb. Lazarus, come out. And he comes out all still in his grave clothes. And so a man who was very, very dead for four days. Can you imagine him in a tomb outside in the heat for four days? He comes out breathing alive and healthy. And so, kind of like the story I told you before, and then this story of Lazarus rising from the dead, there is purpose in the waiting. The first purpose is that it glorifies God. And so, to glorify God is to recognize and worship him for um, all that he has done and his attributes. And so, in this scenario... Let's be honest that resurrecting somebody is way cooler than um, healing a sick person, right? It's, you're raising someone from the dead. And it's safe to say that in regards to Jesus' other miracles, this was a huge miracle that he performed. Um, some of them were done with little to no preparation, like uh, granting sight to a blind man. Some of them were done with few people knowing that there was even a miracle happening or that Jesus was involved at all. And then there were some done, um, and some took time to develop and become more obvious to us. Yet Jesus set this miracle up for maximum dramatic impact. And so part of that is that that crowd followed Mary and Martha to Jesus. There was a crowd watching all of this happen. And so when we're in a circumstance of waiting and um, uncertainty, it's important that we bring the crowd along into that circumstance or the people around you into it this allows god's work to go just beyond you this could be the few people in your community group sitting next to you or even some of your friends that don't come to surge that are at school this could whatever your circumstance is it could move them to believe in the work god is doing in your life for some of you you could be waiting for more independence whether that be like more time to go hang with your friends, you're waiting to get to drive yourself places, you're waiting to get a job so you can have money for those independencies. Some of you have that summer mentality right now. You are just so deep in school that you are ready for it to just be done, waiting for that summer break. And some of you could just be waiting for your family life and your family situations to change or for friendships and relationships to get better. Now, it's really hard for me to let people into my situation. I tend to lean on the pride side, and um, I don't really want people to know I'm struggling. Um, So in my circumstance that I mentioned before, there were a lot of tears shed, and I um, I finally told some of my closest friends that I was struggling with hopelessness amidst the waiting on uh, getting a job. But they didn't have any answers for me, and they didn't need to. This just brought them in to experience the story that God was writing in that time. It allowed me to have people to lean on and to comfort me if I needed it in a time that I wanted to just isolate. But more importantly, it gives more people around you in that situation to celebrate when God does, uh, when God brings you out of that season, when he does a good work in you. 
Now, I can only imagine the response that erupted after Lazarus came out of his grave. And unfortunately, after verse 44, when Lazarus is risen, we don't really see the reaction or the response. But Jesus opened a grave and a very dead man came out fully healed. And unique to so many of his miracles, this was a moment of deliberate spectacle because of that crowd, because of the miracle he did by raising a dead man to life. It had an impact on the people watching it, but also on the people that heard from these eyewitnesses. It was huge. I can look back and see that God put this job at fellowship in my lap and also all that he did through me while waiting. Um, And it all leads back to him. My faith was deepened, and it wasn't easy to lean on him. Um, It was really hard, and I actually hung on to, um, a friend of mine pointed me to Psalm 13 in that time, and it's really a psalm of waiting because it says, "O O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? And that goes on for a couple more verses, but the end of it is, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I sing to the Lord because he is good. Now, Mary and Martha, after Lazarus was alive again, like I said, we don't get to see that response. I so wish we could. But do you think that they saw their once dead and alive brother right in front of them and instead decided to turn to God and ask, why did he even have to die? Why did we have to wait this long? Why did we have to wait four days and grieve and mourn? I bet you that they ran to their brother and they hugged him, and then they ran into the arms of Jesus, and they thanked him for bringing him back to life. So often we question during the waiting, but when God brings us out of it and we get the thing beyond our wants and needs, beyond our imagination that only God can do, we marvel and we celebrate We don't question why he made us wait because our eyes are opened to see the details behind the purpose of his waiting and his delay. And so like I said earlier, I was put through the ringer in the waiting. And here in John 11, we know that Jesus felt everything that we feel. So it also shows us Jesus' great love for us. We hear so often how loving and compassionate Jesus is. And so whenever I read scripture like this where it talks about how deeply troubled and angry he was, I often get kind of confused because our response to anger and different emotions like that are more on the negative side. We think um, if you're angry that your emotions are um, imbalanced, that they're reactionary, um, that they um, are a response to some feelings— but when Jesus was like this, he just, when he had emotions, he just felt. He felt so deeply. And it all came from his perfect love and compassion for us. Now, we can't begin to imagine what perfect emotions are like because we will always be tainted by sin in the fall. And so, but when Jesus is angry like he was, seeing them weep and mourn, he wasn't angry at them. He was angry at the effect of sin and death. And how it affects those that he loves so dearly. So normally when people, I've had someone ask me sometime last year, um, what were you like pre-Jesus, pre-following the Lord? Um, And a lot of people have a hard time imagining this, but um, I was, all I can say to them is I was super angry all the time. 
I just lived with a heart and soul full of anger at anything and everybody. Like, it was really unexplainable. Um, And so my view of anger and emotions often goes towards the negative and unhealthy side. But I was reading a book with my mentor. Shout out to Debbie Clam. And um, it said that a compassionless Christ could never have gotten angry at the injustices all around him. The severity and human barbarity, even that flowing from the religious elite. He, this says a compassionless Christ, but we know that our God is so full of compassion. It is one of his most beautiful attributes and beautiful emotions that he shows towards us. So, of course, he will get angry at the injustices done to us. And so think about someone that you love and someone that you would even be super protective over. And if something bad happened to them or someone did something to them, wouldn't you feel angry? That's just how Jesus is, but so much more. So it's easier said than done because our anger is tainted with sin, but to allow him to be angry and feel things for us because he will be angry for you and he will mourn with you in any of these circumstances. Because when we go back to the small verse that Jesus wept, we can only guess that whenever that verse was recorded, whenever he wept in that moment, we can guess that we are maybe minutes away from him resurrecting Lazarus. And he knew this. He was planning to do this. And yet he still cried and he wept because this was one of his dearest friends who still had to suffer and die from his sickness. So, of course, he wept. Of course, he felt that emotion. Because he loves Lazarus. And he also loves you. He loves us so deeply that he died for us on that cross. And just so we could have that eternity, that eternal perspective that Martha talked about earlier. And so, when I was thinking about Lazarus' death and resurrection, I couldn't help, also because of the timing of things, to think about Christ's death and resurrection. Because just last week, it was Holy Week, it was a collection of days where Jesus was arrested, and he was tried and arrested, he was degraded, he was crucified, he was laid to rest in a tomb, and then he rose back to life in the span of three days. Now this past Sunday was Easter, and we celebrated, and we cheered, and we rejoiced over death coming back to life. But just like Lazarus' story, there was still waiting and mourning when it came to Jesus' death. You see, Jesus, remember, he died on a Friday, Good Friday. And they killed him intentionally um, before sundown so that the Jewish people would be ushered into Sabbath. A day on Saturday then that they would be unable to do anything but just sit there and mourn and wait and grieve um, and just wonder. They had to sit with the sorrow and ponder it and live with it. They had to wait for that Sunday that was coming. Now, the story could have been that Jesus could have just risen from the dead uh, right then and there. We wouldn't have had to wait because wouldn't that be great? We're just, we naturally are impatient. We have almost everything digitally at the tips of our fingers. And the story could have gone, um, and so there wouldn't have been a day of shaky faith or questions, wondering where God is in all this. But the fact that there is a Saturday wedged in between Christ's resurrection, or Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection, 
is proof to me that we follow and we love a God who is close to the brokenhearted. He is so close to you in that waiting, and he is close to you in that path of uncertainty. Now, it's okay if your faith feels suspended in a Saturday right now. He is close to you, and he is kind. And guys, he is all over that in between. We see right here that God mourns with you, and he grieves with you, and he feels everything you do even deeper. But unlike us in these situations, he is completely unfazed by everything happening in our lives. And he is not asking us to get stronger. He is leaning down low and he is telling us that he is here and he will feel and he will fight for you. And so Saturday is not the end of God's work in your life. I just want you to remember that Sunday is coming. Just lean into him and hold tight in that waiting. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for bringing us all here. And Lord, I just thank you for bringing your son to die on that cross um, and to even before then live that perfect life um, so that we can mirror our lives to live like him. God, I pray that whatever circumstance um, anyone in this room is in, Lord, that we lean into you and we trust in your almighty plan and your timing. And God, that we give um, our mix of emotions during all of that to you. Lord, you take those heavy burdens off of, our, off of our shoulders. And Lord, I pray that we choose to do that day in and day out, whatever the circumstance may be. Lord, I pray as we go into community group time that hearts are continued to be opened by you and that great conversation is had. Um, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.